Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over! And Carolina has won the game! Finley to throw. Over the middle, intercepted, Wolfuck again! Wolfuck the other way! At the 30, the 40, Wolfuck to midfield! Miles Wolfuck with the pick, the heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory! Left side of the line, Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams gonna throw, one-on-one, Davis has it! Touchdown! Carolina wins! Carolina is the Coastal Division champion! Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio has a 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not! Yes, he is! Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown! Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Now, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Burr. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you as always. And today, Josh Marlowe back for a second straight edition of the podcast. This is unprecedented. We thought we had lost you, and yet here you are for the second straight edition of the podcast. It's almost like you have stumbled upon a work ethic, sir. I commend you. We've been asking for more consistency from the Tar Heel football team as a whole, and you're starting to show signs. Maybe that's a positive thing for the 2022 team. As when Cam Newton said when he returned to the Panthers back in November, Heel Tough Blog Nation, King back. Oh, jeez. Yeah, bringing that real hard-hitting analysis. (laughs) Can you break down the spring game for us? Still have not watched that game. That's right. So let's put you right back in check right there. But no, we are glad, of course, to have Josh back. He is going to be back with us here more often throughout the offseason. And as, of course, we head towards the start of the 2022 season. Uh, Basketball was just, I mean, an unprecedented run through the NCAA tournament. Kind of took him out of the running for a little bit longer than I think we th- we were expecting, and definitely longer than the last two years, but uh, he is now back in the fold. And look, today, 
We're not going to really focus on the 2022 team. Today is a focus about the guys from the 2021 team that did go on, did achieve their NFL dreams, and are on NFL rosters. Ten guys in total. We're going to tell you about each of those guys that are on rosters. We'll go through and talk about the four guys that did get drafted in depth. We'll tell you you know, about their situations a little bit. We'll also have a frank discussion about Sam Howell and if he made the right decision to come out this year or if he should have returned for his senior season. And then uh, we will also touch on the guys that were signed as undrafted free agents. Um, there, there were six of them, so we'll tell you about those. And then I will give you some updates with the closing notes on the way out of this edition of the podcast where we will talk about the Tar Heels making five top schools lists. So we heard it from Mac Brown. We heard it even from our guest a couple of weeks ago, Tom Luganbill, that said the summer months are going to be pretty important for this recruiting class. It seems like a lot of guys are kind of taking their time. They're wanting to get a lot of these visits in at the start of the summer. That seems to be the case here, and Carolina is now starting to see some of these decisions get narrowed down. So we'll talk to you about that. But first, let's jump in. Let's talk about the NFL draft. And you know, going in, it seemed like Sam Howell was going to be that guy that was probably going to be the first one off the board. After that, it was kind of going to be a little bit nerve-wracking to see if any of the other guys were actually going to go off the board. I think we all kind of felt pretty confident that Ty Chandler was going to go off the board. But it was neither one of those two guys that was the first one drafted. Joshua Zudu goes off the board in the third round pretty early in the third round as well, with the third pick of that third round on Friday night to the New York Giants. Now, this is something that when we did the podcast edition last week, we probably would have told you, okay, this is a little shocking because at the time, before all the final mock drafts had come out from the experts, he was a guy that was kind of in that fifth to sixth round range in a lot of the mock drafts that we had looked at. Once you got to draft day, I wrote the article that I put up on the website kind of previewing the draft on Thursday night, and the more I went through it, I'm seeing third round, third round, third round, fourth round for Joshua Zudu, and I'm like, wow, he's his stock has really been boosted here recently. Well, he ends up going early in the third round. I mean, I think there's two ways to look at this. Overall... I think for his stock, maybe not the most shocking because of the versatility and because of the upside, but how surprised were you that Joshua Zuda was the first Tar Heel prospect off the board in this draft on Friday night? I think we were all surprised because this wasn't like when you had the Coopers of the world or whatever who were bona fide first-round NFL talents or you know day-two talents. And I mean, we all we all expected going into the draft, Howell could be gone on Thursday. We thought Friday at the absolute latest. We thought Ty Chandler could sneak into Friday, maybe as well. But mm-hmm. it, it was a Zudu. Um, and look, he was a great individual offensive lineman on a unit that struggled as a collective whole. But he and what he can do individually, it it, it showed up on the tape. And he's going to a team that you know very well needs offensive line help in the worst way. <laughs> Um, and so I don't think it was a reach by the Giants at all. I think he's a guy that can do a lot of different things, and, and mm-hmm. that's big in today's NFL as, as as position versatility means a lot no matter if you're an offensive lineman or, or whatever position you play. And, you know, I, I, I do think he can be an impactful player 
at, for the Giants simply because they don't have many impactful players on that offensive line to begin with. So that one, to me, wasn't a surprise. The other offensive lineman that you took later, that was the one where I was like, okay, now I'm a little, what's going on here? But with the Zudu, I think we knew going into this past year he could be a, a you know a potential day two pick. Yeah, so I mean, let's let's throw the other guy in here. So this was the last guy that was taken off the board. Um, they had Tariels had three guys that were selected in the fifth round, mm-hmm. um, and they all went pretty quickly. They all went within um, twenty nine picks of each other. Uh, so Marcus McKeithen was the last guy taken off the board, as you mentioned, fifth round guy, uh, or as I mentioned, fifth round guy, um, and did go to the New York Giants, as you mentioned, with. Pick 173 in the draft. I got to be honest, this one did blow my mind a little bit. I know that a lot of the scouts really liked what they saw from him at the combine just in terms of the bench press, mainly because of the strength. And 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 that's something that shows up on film for him, too. Um, one of the things, you know, in talking to some of the guys in the pre-draft process, some of the guys that we had on to talk about the prospects that they pointed out with him was that there was a pretty substantial pass protection uh, Mm -hmm. resume with him. You know, this year wasn't great, and if you go back and look at Azudu too, it's the same thing. Both guys struggled the most that they have in their careers this year in pass protection, but they were still (laughs) much better than most of the other guys on on that offensive line, although Jordan Tucker's numbers were shockingly better than I thought. It's probably why you should look at Pro Football Focus's pressure numbers and all that kind of stuff um, with with a little bit of a, a grain of salt to them. Um, but I, I I think, you know, for the Giants, it's really just about can you get bodies in there. Because yeah. like you said, I, I think, you know, and it's true, I know this team pretty well. They made – you know, some good moves in the offseason to try to bring in some help on that offensive line. But this is still far from a complete unit. Um, the unit that they had last year, even that unit that struggled a year ago, you lost three starters from that group. So you brought in some talent, and that's great. That talent has to be able to mesh together. And, I mean, look, I think, look, Evan Neal, that was a home run for them on the offensive line. They needed that. That's a day one starter. Izudu, <laughs> shockingly enough, I see, I've seen some reactions to the draft pick. There are a lot of guys that cover the team. Now, this is mostly guys that are not on the beat, but just people that do podcasts like us. They think he can start mm-hmm. this upcoming season. So that tells you about the state of the Giants' offensive line. Either way, I think Izudu is in a great position for him. I think he's in a spot where he is going to be able to play regardless because here's the other thing about the Giants' offensive line the last couple of years. One, they haven't been talented. And two, they get banged up about as much as any offensive line in the entire NFL. I mean, you're talking about multiple times a year they are having to scramble to find guys that they can put out there, practice squad players, signing dudes off the street. So it's been... It's been all over the place for the Giants. So if they can get him in there, look, he injuries were never really an issue with him at Carolina. He was out there for pretty much the entire time. So I feel like that's not an area that you have to worry about with him. And honestly, the same thing with McKeithen. He was never really banged up either. Izudu, 
I, I feel confident if he stays at guard, I think when he was put out there at tackle sometimes, that sort of exposed some of his weaknesses in pass protection. But we know he's a good run blocker. The Giants need run blocking. Their run game, frankly, sucks. I've seen it for the last couple of years. They can't open holes to save their damn life. Uh, so, you know, having a guy like that that can sort of move guys out of the way makes a lot of sense. And look, you go back and look at some of his best tapes, just from talking to some of the guys, uh, you know, that we had on the podcast. Tapes that they pointed out. I mean, Duke makes a lot of sense. That was a game they dominated. But Virginia Tech, a game where the rest of the offensive line was horrendous, people said that was a great tape for him. And Pittsburgh. Now, he didn't finish that game the way that he wanted to. He had a costly penalty at the end of the game. But just in terms of overall blocking ability, that was a really good game for him. So, you know, the versatility, still got some youth to him. I like the move for the Giants there. But, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you on McKeith. And I, that, one, that one kind of blew my mind. But I think this is the other thing that it shows. We heard all about, especially here, being, you know, on the radio station that we're on here in Charlotte, we heard all about the top tackles in this draft, really just the top linemen yeah. in this draft because there were some good guards here as well and, and, and even centers at the top of the draft. There was a steep drop-off after that first round, mainly after that second round, where, to be honest with you, it was really just a crapshoot. And I think that really benefited a guy like Azudu who is a younger guy. He can play multiple positions. And that seemed to be the theme. If, if you were watching on TV and you were hearing what Daniel Jeremiah was saying, and even over on the other channel, I didn't watch much of ESPN's coverage, but every guy that they seemed to be talking about, he could play center guard. He could play guard tackle. They're looking for these versatile guys. So that's where I think Azudu got helped out so much. Yeah, you know, when it comes to McKeith, and it feels like a guy that they're banking on NFL coaching could take him to the next level because I think he's got the ability to be a really good offensive lineman. But when you look at what he had in college with Stacey Searles the last couple of years, you could see that that guy may have held him back. And, um, you know, for for you guys, um, because you're a divisional opponent of my Cowboys, I see y'all enough. You need talent and you need depth. And, mm-hmm. you know, so that was probably a big reason why, you know, he went where he went. I feel like it was more of a reach pick at the time for, for the Giants to take him in the fifth round. I think he can be a backup offensive lineman in the NFL. I just see him being picked, you know, in the fifth round. But, you know, it's it, it, it'll be nice for those two guys to get to play together, work together. They'll have that connection on and off the field. And, um, yeah, the, the, their ability to play multiple positions is a big reason why they got drafted and where they got drafted. And, um I don't think we'll be overly surprised if we look up this year and they're both being contributors to that offensive line unit for which I struggled for the last five six years. Well, or so. well not Azu. I'm going to be honest. I wouldn't be shocked if Azudu started day one, um, and that's probably not the most ideal situation for either side. It's, it's ideal for the Cowboys' defensive line. Well, that makes sense. Even though, I mean, let's be honest, your defensive line has lost a lot of talent in and of itself. You did get a nice second-round pass rusher, but we'll have to see how that works out. The the pro, I, I mean, with McKeithen, the thing that I think with him, he's he's somewhat of a safe pick in the fact that you know he's not going to be terrible. He's not going to get you killed if you got to throw him out there. He's just going to not suck. I mean, he look, he's gonna he's gonna be able to hold it there. Th- this is pretty much what the Giants have had on that offensive line for the last couple of years. 
Now, the problem is, is that a lot of those guys that are in that range of Marcus McKeithen that are just average to slightly below average offensive linemen right now. And here's the thing. There's still, I still think there's a chance, like, like you said, if you get the right coaching, you can have a guy that can kind of come out of nowhere and become a really solid offensive lineman for you. His pass protection was pretty good. He's got to get a little bit better in terms of run blocking, but I definitely think that he plays with the with the physicality. And look, coming into last year, I mean, we talked about Joshua Zudu. I looked at Marcus McKeithen as probably your most stable and consistent offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Part of that was because you had a Zudu moving back and forth between guard and tackle because, frankly, a Sim Richards is a liability. It was a liability. And as of right now, until we he, he proves otherwise, we have to probably still label as a liability. But I, I you know, this, this is one where. Again, I think that at that point of the draft, you were kind of just – it was just throw a dart. Whoever it lands on, that's who we're going with. Yeah. And it seems like the Giants kind of had a good tie to this Tar Heel team. Maybe they saw them a lot more than some of the other teams, and they just felt comfortable. But we'll see. Either way, I like the situation for both guys. Because as you said, with, with, with Keithan – you could still see him play a pretty significant role for this team. As a Giant fan, I would really hope we don't get to that point in the season where we've got that many injuries that he's having to start. But it is a spot that the Giants have been in multiple times over the last couple of years, so we'll have to wait and see. Um, let's, You know what? We'll go backwards from the McKeithen pick here because we're going to talk, We have an, you know, as we told you, a, a little bit of a different way of going about Sam Howell. Let's talk about Ty Chandler. You know, he goes fifth round, pick 169 to Minnesota. This one doesn't really shock me all that much because with the running backs, I think outside of Kenneth Walker, we kind of knew that it was going to be all over the place. I was shocked that Isaiah Spiller fell as far as he did. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the rest of the class, it was just guys that you felt fit your offense the best. And Chandler fell a little bit, but I think he ended up in a really good situation for himself in Minnesota. I know we're going to talk about Sam here in a second. This might be the guy off the bat, the fit I love the most. Because I I, I love the way that Minnesota likes to utilize their running backs with Dalvin Cook, a guy who has had trouble staying healthy, a downhill running running a style, but they like to use their, their running backs in their passing game. And Ty Chandler, he had this this freaky stat of like the only re- running backs in the draft to average so many yards per carry and so many yards per reception and um and, and I do think they're bringing in that new offensive coordinator from the Rams. So he's and we've seen how they utilize their running backs in different ways. He's going to get creative with a guy like Chandler and you know we actually turned our coverage over um, from NFL Network to Todd McShay and Todd McShay was he was having an orgasm over talking about Chandler going going there because he likes his tape and you look at what he did at Tennessee and then translated to Carolina albeit with a not so very good offensive line and so I really like the situation he's in I think he could be an you know an impactful player um his ability to return the ball will get him on the field early and often I think in Minnesota and he was probably the guy of all the guys that got drafted right away when I saw the the, the 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 selection that was a fit that I loved and I was really happy for him individually. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's right up there because I think I th- look. I think the fit for Izudu is pretty solid. He's getting a new coaching staff that's coming in, so you feel like you know it's this isn't going to be hopefully not the same Giants team that we saw the last couple of years, but. I mean, if it um, is, I'm not going to complain. I mean, my thing is for him, like, if you're saying the best situation, I mean, he's, we know there's a good chance he's going to start at some point. Mm-hmm. There is a chance, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't say good chance because Dalvin Cook literally cannot stay healthy to save his life. Um, he always is going to have some stretch of the season where he gets banged up, but there's a chance that he, that Ty Chandler is not a starter this year. Remember also, they have a guy that they really like there, and they've had him for a couple years in that backfield, and Alexander Madison, mm-hmm. who's still there. So he's a veteran, so he's got to navigate that. But I think you're right. One thing that's interesting, as you said, they're getting Kevin O'Connell, who's coming over from the Rams staff. And the thing about him is you look at how the Rams have used their running backs over the last few years. Now, granted, Cam Akers looked like heading into last year he was going to be the guy that they used the most. But the Rams have really done a good job of using multiple backs. So, yeah, I feel like this is a pretty good situation for him. And look, in the fifth round, this makes some sense because this was a pretty deep running back class. I think there were a lot of guys that were kind of similar to him. But he brings a guy that can do a lot of different things for you. Um, you know, he, he the one thing that he does that we didn't see Michael Carter do when he was at Carolina was he hit the home run plays. And if you are able to hit some of those long runs when you get out in the open field, you're going to get playing time. Mm-hmm. You'll be on the field. He runs a 4-3-8. He's fast. We know that. Um, but I thought as the season went along and you saw him start to settle in and honestly probably start to realize that he wasn't going to get the greatest blocking in front of him, you saw a guy that became more comfortable with that. You saw a guy that became more patient and found some of those extra running lanes. He's a slippery back. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, which is huge. You need that. And that'll allow him to be a guy that can help you on third downs where you know, maybe that's not the strength of Dalvin Cook, but that's the strength of Ty Chandler. He can get out there and help you in that area. So I, I think you're right. I think this is a pretty good situation for them. Um, it, it, it for for him and it, especially with a guy in Cook that has been on and off the field, you would imagine at some point this year he is going to get carries, and he's a guy that, you know, when he gets those carries, it feels like he has a chance to sort of prove himself, put himself on the radar for, you know, some of these teams, you know, maybe not even the Vikings if they don't value him uh, to eventually whenever you know he 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 ends up getting out of there, be impactful wherever he goes on to next. But I I still feel like, I mean, look, I know Madison's been there a while now. Chandler could be, he, he could give him a run for his money. There's yep. no there's no doubt in my mind about that. All right. Now let's move on to the Sam Howell conversation. And this one's tough. First pick of the fifth round. I, I got to be honest. I was absolutely stunned by this. And I know that they're, were a lot of quarterbacks that were highly thought of that fell this far. I mean, we were talking about Desmond Ritter, who was the second quarterback off the board. A lot of people thought he could go in the first round, um, the late part of the first round, but some people thought he could be in there. Um, 
Malik Willis was a guy that was talked about at length here and in other places as possibly going number six. There were a people, a group of people that thought he could go number two yeah. to the Lions. Yeah, and then you've also got uh, you got Matt Corral who was picked by the Panthers in the third round. That was a guy that was kind of in the same area as Sam, borderline first-round guy where some teams loved him um, and had him as their number one quarterback. Some teams thought he could fall into the second round. And then the most egregious one to me, Bailey Zappi, somehow being picked ahead of Sam Howell. Um, he, but he ends up going in the fifth round with the 144th pick to the Washington Commanders. This one... First of all, let's just talk about the situation. I need to start by saying this. And I, look, I love Sam. I think this dude has a chance to be a a heck of a player if he gets with the right offensive coordinator and can learn the offense in a timely manner. This dude is not coming out and beating out Carson Wentz for the starting job in Washington. I hate to tell people that because I saw some people that were saying, hey, he could win the starting job right off the bat. It's not going to happen. because I do think he'll be playing in November. Really? Yes. That's saying something. I, look, I I would love to see it. And I know that, look, normally you're the guy that wants to be the truther, that wants to be the guy on this podcast that says, hey, let's slow things down. I am on the this truther. one, On this one, though, it's... It's a little bit the reverse. I, My thing with Carson Wentz is he had a much better year last year than people give him credit for. And and, and Yeah, but that uh, final game in Jacksonville that effectively cost him his job in Indianapolis, it's going to be hard for a guy who needed that, 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 that fresh start after what happened in Philly. He got it, but he crapped the bed again. It's, it, you, you can only do it so many times before it comes back. Look, with Sam, first off, how he fell to, to the fifth round made no sense. Um, I had come around to the idea I wanted him here in Carolina. Um, I thought yep. it would be easier for us who are not natural Panther fans to be more supportive of the franchise. Um, and then just the feel-good story of a hometown kid growing up in the shadows of Bank of America Stadium where he made his first and last college start. You know, there would be a lot of fun with that. Didn't happen. Washington, when I when I take away the hatred I have for that fan that organization, and I and I hate Washington with that. Well, thanks for taking the unbiased approach there, sir. Every every fiber in my body, I do think the situation for him isn't bad. You're putting him under Ron Rivera, and Ron Rivera is still one of the most underrated coaches in the NFL. He's going to be coached. He's going to be coached hard. You're reunited with Deami Brown. You're you're reunited with Terry McLaurin. There were there were guys, reunited or not reunited, but you're, oh, now, I was going to say when do we, wait, wait, he was on the roster. But so now you've got thighs. You got guys you can throw the football to. I just don't get. And look, I was the guy all along saying I don't think he was the the best quarterback in the draft, and I wouldn't have taken him in the first round. Uh, and I'll, I'll stand by that. There was no reason for him to fall to the fifth round, but I do think when you take away all of the, the personal stuff we have with Washington, it's not it's not a bad situation. It wasn't Minnesota that I, I was wanting or Indianapolis. 
or Pittsburgh had they not went with a quarterback. Of course, they took Kenny Pickett, but I do think he's in a situation where, yeah, he may have to be a backup, but maybe not for long because his starter is is hot or he's cold, and um, when, when he goes cold, teams like to quit on him. And um, I, and I, did, I do think there'll be a situation whether it's because Wentz is hurt, Wentz is sucking, or the Washington foot or the Washington Commanders are sucking. He'll be playing come late November, early December, and. Um, and, you know, I, I, then I think we'll forget all about him falling all the way to the first pick of the fifth round. You know, I like his offensive coordinator. I think that could work out well for him and Scott Turner. My concern with where he landed is we don't know how long Ron Rivera is going to be the head coach there because they – it's it's weird. They're in a weird spot overall because my thing with them is how mad can you actually be about the success of a team that has had Taylor Heineke leading them at quarterback Mm -hmm. the fact that they made the playoffs two years ago is frankly mind-blowing but believe it or not there are people that want Ron Rivera gone and I don't and and you have the most irrational owner in all the sports it's the worst owner in sports right now and that's saying a lot coming from a guy that is a New York Knicks fan whose owner is James Dolan. So this dude is irrational. Who knows what could happen if this team struggles out of the gate? That's what concerns me a little bit about this situation. The other thing is, is how married are they to Taylor Heineke being on this roster? Mm -hmm. Clearly they're not married to him being the starter, or they wouldn't have gone out and got got Carson Wentz. But are they married to the idea of him still being on this roster? I don't I, I don't know. I don't know because rumor has it is Sam Howe is ready to take command of that backup quarterback spot. You suck. <laughs> this is why you weren't on the podcast for so long. That is that he, he did send out a video and did that that is their 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 little catchphrase that they say it's time to take command. Yeah. So he did say that. Um that may eventually be a drop that we have to use. Um it, I just, by the way, can my favorite players recently that are targets, can they stop getting drafted by NFC East teams that aren't the Giants? You had you had Ryan Switzer who got drafted by Dallas. At least it's not Philly, because had it been Philly, I would have had a full blown meltdown. Uh, and that that looked that looked like it was possible at one point. I I got to be honest, I was mad the Giants didn't look at him in the fourth round because I thought bringing in a guy that could compete with Daniel Jones would make a lot of sense. And I'm going to tell you right now, he could walk through the door and throw the football with his left hand, and he would be better already out of the gate than Mike Glennon, the giant dodo bird with the longest neck possibly ever. Davis Mills sees your neck. Yeah, that's a good – you know what? That's a fair point. That's a fair point. But, um, I I mean, look, it wasn't the best situation. We had run through the best situations. Every time that I saw Seattle's name come up there, I was like, they got to go get them. The infatuation of the front office in Seattle with Drew Locke is the stupidest thing I have ever seen in my entire life. I don't know a lot. I really, truly believe that Sam Howell right now is a better quarterback than Drew Locke. What about Drew Locke is enticing? There were just so many options that were like, you know, we we were we talked through the draft on, well, we, we were basically together for the whole draft. We were at a work event Thursday. We talked through the event on Friday and watched it on Saturday. Like, I was even convincing myself, 
Oh, hell, if Denver takes him, he could sit behind Russell Wilson for three or four years. Yes. I'll take that. Tampa, uh, we were we – were, Tampa, hell, if New England would have drafted him, they would just develop him and trade him for, for future assets. San Francisco. Yeah. In, Indianapolis was Cleveland, one – Cleveland, because you got to move on from Baker, and you know Watson's going to be suspended. There and, were just a lot of weird teams that didn't make – Sense why they didn't take quarterbacks. I Detroit. Mean, at least he's not in Detroit, though, right? Because like, had he been in Detroit, he it, might as well just retire. But I mean, I mean, look, I know it's not a great spot for him. But is Washington really? I, like, I just there is so much confusion right now for me on that Washington roster. I hope it works out for him, and I know he's going to get in there and battle his ass off. I know that there, there's no doubt about that. He's going to get in there and give these guys a run for their money. But he's going to command a presence. I mean, if he goes in, shut up. If he goes in there, <laughs> if he goes in there and really performs that well, but it's still just borderline, are they really going to start him over Carson Wentz, a guy that they actually traded assets for? Like, I just, that's the thing that I don't know. Like, I feel like there. There is an opportunity for him to go out and shine. I don't think that, look, let's just put it this way. This is not him landing in Kansas City or Cincy, which there was a point where I was starting to get concerned that he was going to land in a spot like that where they it was going to be like, well, we're just looking at him as a backup. Yeah. And but luckily he got in a spot where maybe some things can go wrong and look. I will give you this. We haven't talked about this element of that uh, of that grouping there. Carson Wentz isn't exactly the healthiest quarterback we've ever seen. So there is that element to it as well. But, man, I, I, I just feel like I, I felt so bad for him well, it, watching these the, those picks just tick off and his name not being called. It's either going to be they were right about the draft class. And, I mean, you got to remember, we went – we didn't get our first quarterback till twenty. We didn't get our second quarterback to the third round. Mm-hmm. So either they were right about these guys, which this was as down a quarterback class since two thousand thirteen when when EJ Manuel went what fifteen to the Bills or whatever. <laughs> so that go, didn't really work out very well. You got to go back to that draft class or all these teams that took quarterbacks late: Atlanta, Tennessee, not so much New England because they they drafted him as a backup, and then Washington. They all got really good value, and they're going to be sitting here in a situation where three or four years, those guys could be their starters, and they're even cheaper than rookie quarterbacks usually are to begin with, and then then we'll be sitting here wondering what the hell went wrong. But, you know, it's, it, it's, it was interesting because I think we knew it was possible, but this is a quarterback-driven league. Teams sell their souls for quarterbacks. So we just kind of thought at some point, whether it was Thursday or Friday, that was going to happen. And it just didn't. It just didn't happen the way we thought it was going to happen. So um, it'll be something to, to really monitor moving forward. And, you know, it, of course, we're all sitting there as we're watching the draft. And the first thing you think of when he doesn't go into the fifth round is, is should have Sam Howell come back to school? He had nothing left really to to accomplish here. He did everything he could possibly do here reasonably from an expectation standpoint. But, right, you know, we we knew during the draft process that junior year tape, to us it looked good because of what he was doing, what he did with what he was putting in a, in a position to do. But guys who that's what they make their livelihood doing is grading film, they're left a lot to be desired. But the quarterback class going into next year is going to be top-heavy with Stroud, Young, Tyler Van Dyke's been mocked as a top-ten quarterback already. 
So he was kind of probably basically in a no-win situation. He's either come back and still be right where you were this year or leave now and see what happens. And ultimately, he, he falls in the fifth round. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's got to be talked about. But I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, we said it when he made his decision. What is there really left for him to accomplish in terms of his stock? And it kind of felt like for the program – for, for for the program, and for Mac Brown specifically in two point he had to go right. No, uh, it, look if he if he had told you that he was coming, he was considering coming back. You would not have said, you know what, we're good. Yeah, but our but then our expectations would say Sam Howell's back. He's the best quarterback in program history. Well, you got to win the division or it's bust. Well, you know now, what? As now we're kind of you know what? You deal with it. Six. D- d- deal with it. I'm tired of the complaining about. Well, we have expectations. We'll deal with the crap that you want to get to that point with the level that you're recruiting at. No, that if that if that would have been brought up, that is a cop out excuse. That would be a pathetic reason not to bring back your program's best quarterback if he wanted to come back. But ultimately, he didn't. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, it's it's fair to question, did he really... I mean, w- what was he thinking? Now, if you asked him that question this moment, he would tell you, no, I'm in a great situation. Yep. If you asked him that on, the f- on Saturday during the fourth round, he probably would have said, I-, I-, I maybe should have considered it. And it just, it, it left me scratching my head. That Sam Howell went 142 picks lower than Mitchell freaking Trubisky. Who, by the way, look, man, I hope he goes out there in Pittsburgh, and I hope Kenny Pickett never starts a game out there. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I don't think it is either, because I'm going to be honest, I don't even think Mitch Trubisky probably makes that roster. They will probably cut him to make sure that they have... Kenny Pickett in the most comfortable situation anyways. Which, by the way, I think that's a stupid... I think that was a pathetic draft pick by the Steelers. They drafted him because he was in the same building as them. That's the only reason they drafted him. And he's got good hair. That what, I mean, are we really going with that? I'll raise you Brock Osweiler. He had some pretty solid hair. He's a big <laughs> dork. But, I mean, it's it's just... It's, it's, it's a double-edged sword because, as you said... I mean, next year's draft class, by the way, after C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, next year's draft class may be the most confusing yet exciting quarterback class ever. Because I've seen Tyler Van Dyke. I've seen um, some people in, in the weirdest of mock drafts, DJU all of a sudden jumping back up there. I've seen Anthony Richardson from Florida. That one... Wasn't trending as much the other day when they released because why would you not release your way too early 2023 mock drafts right after the draft concludes? It only makes sense, right? You don't choose the grind. The grind chooses you. I've seen Will Levis up there. I've seen Devin Leary, which is laughable to me. He, he Come on. If Sam Howell went in the fifth round, Devin Leary ain't going higher than him. I don't see that happening. Um... I mean, there's just there's so many different guys that have been thrown into that conversation that, you know, who knows what ends up happening. So for him, where would he stack up? Like I said before 
you know, the draft, or or no, maybe it was when we were watching the draft. I said, look, if he had come back, you lose that upside element. A guy that was in, you know, that that was at the college level. The good thing for him is he's had three years of starting experience. That was another reason why it just blew my mind that he fell as far as he did. A guy that has that much experience, we've heard how important that really is. And then you draft Bailey Zappi over him? Okay, whatever. Um, But I, I, yeah, I, I don't really know what to tell you. It's just, it is a situation that is really sucky for him because we thought there was absolutely I I didn't think there was any way that he made it out of the second day. Yeah, no. I had seen some people mocking him early in that third round and I'm going to be honest, I thought even that was a little crazy. And somehow this guy that last year was seen as a top 10 pick in those same stupid early mock drafts that mean nothing is is a guy that goes to the 5th round of the draft. Last thing that I did want to mention real quick, speaking of those early mock drafts, Josh Downs has appeared in the top 10 in some of those. Yeah, he has. I mean, how confident are we feeling about that? I think he could still be a pretty early pick. My thing is, for Torrio fans, when you read that, remember, slot receivers going that high is extremely, extremely rare. Mac Brown did say they're going to try to use him a little more on the outside to prevent teams from bracketing him this season. But until that actually happens, I, I feel it's going to be a little bit tough to see him going in the top 10 as a slot receiver. Yeah, I mean, if, if he goes top 10 as a slot receiver, that's more impressive than what you've done putting Lawrence Taylor high in the draft, Peppers, Mitch Trubisky, but... The biggest thing is that there's there's talent in Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. We're we're back to putting dudes in the NFL. We 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 tied with Virginia Tech for the most drafted players by a school in the conference. Um, so for all your NC State fans, you put a number you, you put a guy number six in the in the draft. That's the only damn guy you put in the draft. So we, we mm. you know we we we. I heard they forward. develop talent more better than us, uh, though, right? So you know it, it it it'll be interesting. But you know with Sam, you know he's just got to go in there. Um, take the bulls by the horns and see what has to offer. And, you know, I, I do think at one point or another, he will be commanding the locker room as the quarterback of the commanders. So let's take a look. Six undrafted free agents signed. Really quickly, which one of these guys do you think is in the best situation? You got Jeremiah Gimmel heading out to San Francisco. He's also going to be joined by Garrett Walston um, out there in the tight end room. Kyler McMichael goes to Tampa. Tamon Fox with the New York Giants, Jordan Tucker to Pittsburgh with the Steelers, and then a late addition. He got invited to rookie minicamp at least. Uh, Grayson Atkins is going to try out with the Indianapolis Colts. So am out of those six. I, am I crazy to think Garrett Walson in San Francisco with the way that they get creative with those tight ends? I'm not saying he's going to be a, a great player. He, he may just be a good blocking tight end or something like that. You know, that 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 name jumps out to me, Gimmel, because of the way that they like to use guys in their defense. Mm-hmm. Um, he, You know, that could really – those two guys, really, I, I don't think, you know, uh, Timon Fox with the Giants, no. Um, he's too inconsistent, and the first time he misses, he'll get cut. Jordan Tucker. <sighs> These are all very interesting situations because I will, I will say it like this. I don't think it's Jordan Tucker, but – 
Pittsburgh's offensive line. Not good. N- they have been horrendous the last couple of years. So who knows? Um, Tamon Fox, <laughs> I'm going to challenge you on this one because, once again, as a Giant fan, I have seen uh, yet another unit that has done absolutely nothing the last few years. Now, the problem for him is that he's more than likely going to have to put his hand in the dirt to rush the passer, too. That's probably not going to lend well for him. But if he can get to the quarterback at all, that would be an upgrade from what the Giants have done the last couple of years. So, I mean, maybe um, Walston, they are just, they got so many dudes in that tight end room already. Like they have a they have a group of guys that have been there a while. Um, I thought, honestly, I thought it was interesting that he got picked up on day one to begin with. But as you mentioned, that, that situation they've done some things with some random tight ends. Like Kittle was Kittle, we knew was going to be great coming yeah. out of we knew he was going to be a stud. But some of the other guys like Ross Dwelly, who thought they would make that guy into something? So maybe. Grayson Atkins, I, I don't think so. It took him way, you know, too long probably to get signed. Um, but the good news for him is that look, as long if he goes out and 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 performs well enough, that could at least put him on the radar for when a team has an injury. COVID is still kind of hanging around, so you never really know when a guy could be out of the lineup there. Um, and as we know with kickers in the NFL, <laughs> you can lose it really quick and they could cut you. So yeah. you, you never really know. To me. Man, I, I mean, they've got some solid depth there. I really think Jeremiah Gimmel can make that roster in San Francisco. The leadership, really just, I mean, the intelligence that he brings. And I think being in an NFL system could really, really help him. Because we've seen guys, they look, they had some talent there, but there's some guys that were mid-round picks that turned into stars. He's an undrafted free agent. Who knows? That As long as they could just turn him into a serviceable backup that would be huge for him I I think he's probably my favorite one to make the roster I think Tamon Fox might be number two just because I I think Kyler McMichael has all the tools yeah the problem for him is I don't like the situation a lot for him because in Tampa they they, they've got established corners there they've been there for a while it's going to be tough for him to navigate that group but I guess you really know you really don't know because to be honest, nobody thought going into the East West Shrine game he was going to perform that well. Going into his pro day, nobody knew that he was going to run that fast of a time. So you really got to hand it to him there. Um, let's take a quick break. We'll get the ad in from DraftKings, then I'll come back, run off some uh, recruiting notes for you guys, and then we will get you guys out of here on the Heel Tough Blog podcast. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big day, a big payday during the NBA playoffs with DraftKings same game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same-game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPNXX 
bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility (laughs) restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. All right, hope you guys are taking great advantage of all of that. Uh, as I mentioned, we are uh, going to run through some closing notes here. I'm going to do this one by myself. Josh uh, is uh, going to sit this one out here. I'm just going to run through some of the guys that the Tar Heels made the final list for. Um, final four for Marky Anderson. He narrowed that down just the other day. The four-star inside uh, interior offensive lineman. Uh, Carolina on there along with Clemson, LSU, and South Carolina. So two in-state teams for the Roebuck South Carolina native out of Dorman High School. LSU, a team that's in there. That one's pretty interesting. And, of course, Carolina. The interesting thing with Carolina is his teammate, DJ Geth, who is the son of a former Tar Heel basketball player, Ed Geth. Uh, Those two are, are pretty close. So, who knows? I mean, if Geth was to commit to Carolina, that could have some sort of pull for Marquis Anderson. But I think ultimately it probably is going to come down to that trio of teams uh, close to them. It's going to be Clemson, South Carolina. Clemson's really right around the corner from them. South Carolina uh, is the team that it feels like a lot of people are pretty confident in at this point. And then it feels like the Tar Heels are kind of just lingering right there, hanging around. So that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on down the stretch. Carolina also in the final five for three-star cornerback Caleb Koss. This is a two-sport athlete. Carolina, I believe, is also recruiting him on the baseball side of things. But he is a three-star corner on the football side of things from Sandy Creek High School in Tyrone, Georgia. The Tar Heels are in there. Uh, You also got in-state Georgia Tech and then Mississippi State and Pittsburgh, uh, two really interesting teams from outside of the state, and then Central Florida. Um, Of course, Georgia Tech's going to be a threat here. In-state team, he's right around the Atlanta area. But this is an area where Carolina is starting to frequent in this class. That's one of the big areas that it feels like if they are going to do damage, they've got to do their damage in the state of Georgia with the state of North Carolina and Virginia not being as loaded as it's been in the last couple of years. So definitely worth keeping an eye on uh, moving forward. It seems like the Tar Heels are in a pretty solid spot with him. Another guy from the state of Georgia that the Tar Heels probably feel pretty confident with where they're at is three-star interior offensive lineman Robert Grigsby. He narrowed his list down to six. Carolina there along with Mississippi State. Ole Miss and Vanderbilt out of the SEC. Vandy's been around for a while. Mississippi State Ole Miss kind of new to it. You got NC State who's been lingering there. Uh, He did take a visit when he did come up and visit Carolina as well. So we'll see how big of a threat NC State is. It doesn't feel like they're as big of a threat in this recruitment as some of the other in-state guys that Carolina is seeking out. And then, of course, he does also have Central Florida in there. So two guys that have narrowed down their list that have uh, the AAC team uh, coached by Gus Malzahn in their Final Five. Carolina probably feels pretty confident here. This one's still a little bit cloudy at this point, but one of the teams that was in it early for him, another, again, guy that's from the state of Georgia out of North Cobb High School in Kennesaw, Georgia, which is, of course, right outside of Atlanta, 
was Georgia Tech. They are noticeably absent here, so that is uh, a big thing for Carolina. Carolina also in another top six. This one, three-star defensive tackle Rodney Laura. This one's kind of flown under the radar. He was a guy that was offered but wasn't really kind of as popularized as some of the other ones. He's one of the lower-ranked guys uh, on the board right now out of Woodbury Forest High School in Woodbury Forest, Virginia. But look, Carolina's on there. He's got Indiana, Michigan, Rutgers, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. So this is a guy that's got a pretty good offer sheet for a guy that's not really ranked all that high. But again, this is really all about the state of Virginia. Carolina needs to continue to establish that strong pipeline there and really just sustain it at this point. They really established it over the last two years. Now it's about sustaining it and moving it forward because this class may not be strong, but the next class in 2024 is probably set up to be one of the best in the nation again. So this could be a key one for Carolina just to continue that along, especially if they are to miss on some of the other big names, including another three, uh, another defensive lineman that had Carolina in his final schools list, uh, Joel Starlings who also comes from the state of Virginia uh, in Richmond. So uh, we'll see what Laura ultimately does. Uh, Carolina could end up taking him on and could take on multiple defensive linemen in this class as well out of the state of Virginia. It'll be interesting to keep an eye on that. And then the final list that Carolina made, this one the most recent, uh, they did make the final five for three-star cornerback uh, Shelton Lewis out of Stockbridge High School in Stockbridge, Georgia. So a lot of Georgia guys starting to narrow down their list, and Carolina is on a lot of those. Uh, they're in there along with Arkansas, uh, who, who you know, of course, is recruiting very, very well with the success that they've had over the last couple of years. Boston College, Pittsburgh, and Vanderbilt. So those defensive backs, Carolina doing some battling with Pittsburgh. I think that's one of the guys, one of the teams that could be a factor here. But again, noticeably absent in this one are the two teams from the state of Georgia. So Carolina is going to be close in proximity for a lot of these guys. Uh, and we'll see if that ends up paying off uh, as Carolina looks to hit that state pretty hard. It looks like Charlton Warren having a big influence on that state already out of the gate. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Make sure you head over to the website. We were just talking about the guys that Carolina made uh, you know, the top schools list for here recently. We're going to go back about a month and show you some of the list uh, that you may have missed when we've been focusing on the NFL draft, while we were focusing a little bit earlier in the month on what was going on on the hardwood, but we'll run you through all that, kind of update you where Carolina is at, which of these top schools lists they have made, and uh, who is closing in on the decision. We'll have that article up later this week. Of course, go back and check out a little bit more of an in-depth breakdown on where some of the guys that were drafted uh, landed in their situations that they're in. We also talk a little bit about the guys that landed uh, undrafted free agent contracts. We tell you about their situations and go a little more in-depth to tell you why we think they have a chance to make the roster or why it could be tough to navigate. And then, of course, uh, we do have some stuff that you can go back and check out from spring camp as you sort of look towards the start of fall camp, which will be here sooner than you imagine. Uh, We will have all that stuff uh, for you when that rolls around uh, early in August. But uh, right now, still in the offseason, recruiting is taking uh, the, the main stage and 
Carolina trying to scramble and put together a pretty solid 2023 class that right now struggling a little bit out of the gate because of the problems that they had on the field in 2021. Uh, on the basketball side of things, we've had you covered with everything that's been going on with the transfer portal. Um, you know, Carolina has had some significant guys that have entered. Uh, mainly Kerwin Walton was the guy that I think most people uh, were wondering about. Maybe caught some people off guard following his announcement that he was pursuing an NBA career uh, or was at least going through that process. Uh, But he is in the transfer portal. Carolina now has a free scholarship. So uh, there could be some more news here on the Toriel basketball front over the next couple of days. Make sure you check that out on the website. Of course, Ryan McAdoo did enter the transfer portal as well. So we've got an article up about that. Um, And, you know, Carolina, before you know it, uh, they will be back getting ready for an extremely important season, one that is being deemed Redemption Tour Part 2 after the return of Armando Baycott. Caleb Love, Leaky Black, and R.J. Davis articles on the website if you want to check out what their return means for this upcoming season. We'll have that all for you up there. Heeltupblog.com. Make sure you check out the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, any of those ones, you can check it out there. And then we also have it on the Facebook page, at Blog on Facebook. That's where you can find all the articles, all the podcasts, all in one central location for you guys make sure you head over to the twitter page as well at heel tough blog give that a follow and uh while you're there you can also head over to our personal pages at htb anthony for me at htb josh for josh uh and and you know, make sure that uh, when you guys do that, you do uh, check out all the other all, all the great content that we have uh, spread out between all of those different platforms and. If you do like Mets baseball, Josh will have you covered on that. He does update every one of those games for you guys on there, as well as Cowboys football. So you got that to look forward to if you give him a follow on Twitter. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. want to thank Josh for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.